and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. And I'm Alyssa Mastromonaco. Alyssa, I've got a question for you. I love my questions. <laughs> you're, la- you're laughing already. It's, you don't know if it's funny or not. It's always um, funny. My question you're for funny. you is... Oh, thank you. Um, okay, so... You and I share a a real affinity for holidays. Every single holiday we will hoe out for. We are hoes for the holidays, for sure. Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas. Okay. Arbor Day. Arbor Day, 100%. 4th of July, St. Patrick's Day, Martin Luther Luther King Day. Um, We're we're all, we love the holidays, but... My question for you is, because you're an expert on holidays, I'm sure you know a lot about holiday music. And Mm -hmm. in your expert opinion, what is the most overrated and underrated holiday or Christmas song? Okay, so overrated. I saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus and Jingle Bell Rock can both just be put in a boat and sent away forever. I just, it's like, I don't know why they're on the radio so much. I just, I seriously can't. (laughs) And for underrated... Um, the Holly and the Ivy. Do you know that song? Yes, I love yes, the Holly I and love the that Ivy song. It's so pretty. I love it. That and Hark the Herald it's, Angels it's Sing beautiful. are my two uh, are my two underrated songs. What about you? Um, I share your disdain for I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus. I really hate it. Um, I really hate I, I the song Wonderful Christmas Time. You know, Agree. Simply, I can't stand nails that song. on a chalkboard. It, <laughs> if it comes on and I'm in a store, I'm like irritated until it's done yep. playing. If it's like on the holiday music station, I will change. Me too. The station. Yep. Um, I think underrated. It's a classic. I think I have two classic underrated holiday songs. One of them is I think "Joy to the World." It's so like majestic and loud. Agree. Love Joy to the World and uh, Oh Holy Night. If it's sung with restraint, like not Christina Aguilera style, like it is a big song. You don't need to do anything to it. Just sing the notes, you know, and it's it's great. Aaron, I think those two are the best. I could confidently share with you my eggnog mix, which is my Christmas mix. <laughs> That's what I call it. it, it okay. is, we have the same. We love the same Christmas songs. We, oh, cool. are, we are in sync. Awesome. Awesome. Great. Excited to get to the show today. (laughs) On this week's show, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, Michaela Watkins, and Grace Parra join us to tackle the following questions. What is, or rather, who is the holdup with COVID relief? What's so offensive about a woman with a PhD? And when did we start whispering happy birthday? All this and more right now. Okay, Alyssa... Some news this week. Is there any? Joe, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris won the presidency and vice presidency for the 7,000th time. It's now official. Um, on Monday, the Electoral College formally elected Joe Biden and Kamala Harris as the next president and vice president of the United States. I feel like we're living in a Groundhog Day movie where every single day we woke up, we wake up and it's like, okay, it's official. Okay, so all of this happened despite you know, several lawsuits that were written in crayon on used burger wrappers <laughs> and um, that, that didn't quite go very well. And uh, some last minute, like Wiley Coyote style hijinks from the Republicans. And by Wiley Coyote style, I mean rife with both stupidity and violence. Um, in Michigan, the Capitol was under heightened security due to threats of violence from 
Trumpist Republicans, um, Republican electors. I don't know if you saw like the footage of this, Alyssa. It was crazy. Republican electors showed up to the state capitol in Michigan and tried to barge in and cast votes. Uh, that didn't work. Um, in Arizona, more hijinks. Republicans actually sent a forged election certification. Uh, and continuing on the Looney Tunes theme, for some reason, I'm picturing it to be like an Acme brand fake election certification. Um, that didn't work either. Um, and in Wisconsin, electors had to meet in a secret location to cast their ballots because Republicans are are having a real normal one this year. Um, but like the Roadrunner, democracy meep meeped on in <laughs> In one very cool moment, uh, Stacey Abrams, she got to be the person to officially announce that Georgia's electoral votes had gone blue officially again. And uh, at the end, uh, at the end of the day, Biden Harris won 306 electoral votes, the same number that Trump won four years ago. So, Alyssa, does this mean that's all, folks? But a beep, beep, beep. Yes. The anvil has dropped. Okay. It's over. Move the fuck on. None of us have the brain space for this anymore. It's been the same story for a solid month. They won. It's over. Get with what's happening. <laughs> One of the things that a lot of people have talked about this week is the fact that um, more than a hundred, uh, more than a hundred Republican members of Congress signed on to uh, a a ridiculous legal maneuver attempting to overturn the election and invalidate the votes of 20 million Americans. Um, How is Joe Biden going to work with them? Um, Well, wait, can we actually, because I actually saw this on your, you tweeted this, that it was 126 members, which was exactly how many words SCOTUS used to tell them to go fuck off. To dismiss the lawsuit. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, look. As long as Donald Trump, everything that we see signals that Donald Trump thinks he's going to stay around for a while. Now, do I think that he has the get up and go to stay around for a while? I'm not sure. He seems like someone who takes his toys to go home, which is what he's done since Election Day. But as long as he's raising money and the lunatic fringe of the Republican Party is still hopped up for him. No, I just I don't think that those Republicans are going to fucking find Jesus. I don't think that people are going to like come out and be like, Joe Biden, we're so ready to work with you. Look, are you going to get a couple? Mitt Romney, Lisa Mm -hmm. Murkowski, mostly, mostly grownups in the Senate. They're the they are the Republicans who broke the dam and came out and were like, he's president for God's sake. But Mm -hmm. no, do I think those hardy and moronic 120-something members of Congress are going to start being like, you know what, it's time to reach across the aisle. No, I, mm-hmm. I do not think that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, Shelley Moore Capito from West Virginia is aboard the OK, he won train, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, Mitch McConnell on Tuesday congratulated um, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris for their win. So he acknowledged reality and and everybody is, is kind of killing the fatted calf in celebration. Do you think that Republicans who acknowledge reality deserve to be celebrated? Like how low are our standards? No, they don't deserve to be celebrated. It took them 45 days. Like, no, it's, it is. Look, if you go, if we go back to the history of everything, (laughs) it's like, this has never happened. This is stupid. This is petulant. It's destructive. It is, you know, if these people had come out sooner 
and said what was in fact true, which is that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris won. Uh, the transition might have started sooner. I mean, Biden and Harris were robbed of three full weeks of transition because all of these things are intertwined. And so, like, great, great. I'm glad that Mitch McConnell came out and said uh, he won and he said something humane about Kamala, who had been his colleague for a very long time. And so, no, I don't think that Mitch should get a pat on the head for doing what should have been done 45 days ago. Mm-hmm. There's something about just listening to these people kind of acknowledge reality that is all, it almost makes me angrier. Yes. You know, totally. Like, because it's like, okay, you, I don't for a second believe that Mitch McConnell was waiting. Like he personally had doubts. I don't believe that. I think he knew. I don't think that, I think that he knew that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris had won way before he said 45 days ago. (laughs) Exactly. He knew. And he just held on to that because he's trying to either, you know, he's, he's trying to placate the president's feelings and he's also trying to preserve the fundraising opportunity that has come from this charade. And it's, it's so fucking cynical. Like it is so gross to me that like, you know, the truth, but you don't say the truth because you're playing some kind of game. And that's so McConnell. It's, it, that that nothing matters except playing a game and winning a game. You know, it's like not a game. You know, people are dying. We have 300,000 people who have now died of COVID in this country. And, uh, you know, we have a vaccine, but states don't have a plan uh, in a lot of cases. And in some cases, states don't have the money to adequately vaccinate their populations. And as a country... We are as strong as the weakest state when it comes Mm -hmm. to COVID vaccinations. And and like the all of this dumb fuckery from Republicans really it's so it's so like beyond gross to me because people are dying and they're going to continue dying. And, you know, I guess dead people can't make political contributions. If we put it that way, maybe if we did some calculations and figured out exactly how much money they're not raising off the people that are dying of covid, maybe then they would start to to see it as something that matters. But it's just so it's just so frustrating and to watch. And not for nothing, can we please rewind four years and remind ourselves that like Barack Obama came to terms with Donald Trump's win before Donald Trump came to terms with it? Like Donald Trump was still reeling from the fact he won when nobody, including he, thought he was going to win. And Barack Obama came out and said, what was it, within, within 12 hours, 24 hours? We're here. We support you. Your success is our success. I mean, just imagine if Obama had been like, mm, this sounds fishy. This sounds mm-hmm. fishy. We're right. going to wait. We're going to wait right. until the Electoral College for me to do anything. And so just fuck all the way off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the tears had not dried on the pussy bow of Melania Trump's Gucci blouse uh, when Barack Obama was acknowledging that Trump had won. Um, it's it's a it's a truly gross thing. Speaking of truly gross, Bill Barr. Bill Barr announced on Monday that he will be resigning from uh, his post next week. And to that, we say a good fucking riddance. Alyssa, what do you make of Bill Barr's tenure as attorney general? Is he the worst attorney general ever? Or can you think of anyone who was worse than him? I mean, you know, it's like a tough one because, you know, of course, you have to think about Jeff Sessions. But even that apple cheeked hate goblin 
had some standards. He did recuse himself from something that he knew to be wrong. And so I think that Bill Barr, first of all, Bill Barr being like, I'm going to leave now and just go spend the holidays with my family. Fuck you. You don't deserve the holidays. He doesn't deserve a family. Like he doesn't. He deserves neither the holidays nor a family. Bill Barr deserves to be alone and sad. He should be sad. And so, yeah, bye. And also, we know you got fired, you fucking asshole. Do you think he got fired or do you think that it was like a carefully engineered exit to do some attempt of like preserving his legacy? I think Donald Trump was like, here are the five things you're going to do. And Bill Barr was like, "Mm, I'm not going to make money on the outside if I do those things right now. And Donald Trump's like, get the fuck out of here. That's what I think happened. Hmm. (laughs) Who do you think Donald Trump will appoint to replace him? Like who could be, he has somehow keeps, he somehow keeps installing people who are progressively worse into important positions. So like, who could he ins- like literally like Gavin McGinnis? Like who's going to be the new AG? He so technically there's this thing called the Vacancies Act, which means Donald Trump could appoint anyone who has been Senate confirmed in the U.S. government to that position. So it's a real smorgasbord of bad options. Um, so anybody who's been Senate confirmed, can you kind of refresh people on like what positions are Senate confirmed? Are there a lot of them? There are quite a few. So it could be like, for example, he could make the like commerce secretary the AG for a period of time. Right. He can make deputy secretaries are Senate confirmed. I'm pretty sure that I'm remembering the old Vacancies Act properly. And so I think that that (laughs) God is my witness. I didn't even think I was going to pull that one out of my butt today. But yeah, so basically it doesn't have. But the point is, it does not have to be related to the actual job. It's not like he is leaving. Therefore, the only option is the deputy AG the, or the PDAG, the principal deputy. It can con- mm-hmm. it can be a lot of different people, potentially. It can mm-hmm. be no one. He might be like, fuck it. What do we need this for? I'm just going to... Donald Trump could, probably thinks that without appointing someone to backfill him, even temporarily, that he can get away with all the crimes. Yeah, that's probably it. That's a <laughs> secret, secret, Donald Trump's Secret Crimes Act, which got signed into law by executive order. Um, I, I want to really quick before we get to toast and roast, do a, a quick little hat tip to Pete Buttigieg, who is um, going to be nominated as secretary of transportation. And um, we, I've, I've come around and decided I, I like Mayor Pete a lot more than I thought I did during the primary season. I think that I- he's a I am for Mayor Pete fixing Amtrak. I feel like it can happen. I love trains. I love bridges. I love ferries. I love them all. Mm -hmm. I have taken so many different modes of transportation to work over the years, including ferries, that Mm -hmm. I say, put him in charge and let's fix some shit. And, you know, we know Joe Biden loves him some trains. Joe Biden loves Joe. Joe Biden, as a almost 80 year old man, loves trains like a four year old boy loves trains. And I respect it. And, uh, you know, that whoever he's nominating to be the secretary of transportation is somebody that he has a lot of faith in because we're going to fix the trains. And uh, Buttigieg will be the first uh, Senate confirmed LGBTQ cabinet secretary should his nomination make it through the chamber. I did want to also give a little bit of a hat tip just because I am a fan of this. I I think that Pete Buttigieg will do a good job and I'm rooting for him. Um, I do have to give a little bit of of a hat tip to his frenemy, Amy Klobuchar's tweet. She came out guns blazing last night. (laughs) 
Oh my God. Let me pull up the, let me pull up the tweet. Um, Amy Klobuchar, who famously uh, didn't like Mayor Pete in a way that is hilariously Minnesota nice. And by Minnesota nice, I mean passive aggressive because that's what Minnesota nice is. Um, she, she tweeted her congratulations to Pete Buttigieg thusly. Congratulations, Pete Buttigieg. From roads to rail, there's so much to be done, and I'm looking forward to working with you. I know you will bring both your big ideas and your local government experience to the job. John and I look forward to welcoming you and Chaston to Washington. Now, to a layperson, I read this aloud to Josh, and he was like, I don't understand why this is mean. And I was like, this is the meanest thing that she could buy. Like, it was so mean. It was like, I mean, look. Alyssa, you had a pretty good distillation of, of Amy's response to Pete and like, and I, and I, and I found it to be pretty enlightening. What, what did you think? Like, what, what was, what was your response to this? She brought a gun to a knife fight. You know, she was like, look, we know how they felt about each other or at least how she would. Okay. This was a Minnesota nice version of her attacks on him during the debates. <laughs> Yeah. And it's like, here's the thing. It's just honest, right? She's kind of annoyed. She's a fucking grown ass woman who's done a lot in her life. And to her, he's, you know, she feels she's done more than him. And so anyway, she's like psyched for him. I truly believe that she is psyched for him. But there was just something Mm -hmm. truly entertaining about the whole exchange. I think the relationship between Amy Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg reminds me a little bit of the relationship between my dog and my cat. Like Pete Buttigieg is the dog in this scenario and Amy is the cat. Um, The highest of compliments. Right. The cat, Eleanor tolerates the dog being around, but if he gets anywhere near her, she hisses. And the dog, whenever she goes into another room, the dog follows and like really, really wants to be her friend, but she is just not having it. She's paws length, you know, like she, she can't, it's, it's a pretty funny uh, dynamic and I see it echoed in Washington. Um, also Jennifer Granholm is supposed, supposedly going to be uh, secretary of energy, which also it's, interesting. It's great. <laughs> we still, you know, we need Deb Holland at interior. We need her. Here's the thing is that we're so excited. And especially I put mayor Pete in the category of special, you know, there are um, cabinet appointments that are good. There are some you may not be psyched about, but then there are those that I think are extremely special. And I think that mayor Pete, you know, breaking the barrier of being an LGBTQ cabinet secretary for the first time. And the fact that he's like highly skilled and he will do a great job, but like Deb for interior, for Native American Ugh. running the lands of this country, that would be fucking special. That's one mm-hmm. where you go to bed at night and you're like, fucking America did something today. And so I'm with you. I am, my fingers and toes are crossed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also repping my favorite state, as we know, New Mexico. I think that she would be. I mean, will we just- have to go work for her if this happens? It's like in, Me- in New Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> I would. I am just about ready to like sell all my things and go to a state that is just desert and live like Georgia O'Keeffe. And if people want to see me, they can come visit me. Um, but yeah, I, I, I really am hoping for um, for Deb Holland. She's there have been reports that she's a leading candidate. And so. Fingers Let's, crossed. This is, it's so funny because like when you see reports in quotes, and it's usually from Politico, you're like, fuck Politico. Mm-hmm. And then when it's someone you want, you're like, fucking Politico. Yeah. Well, go Politico. <laughs> yeah. That's, I that's stipulate much... it's not easy being Politico. No, it's probably not. But 
I don't know how many of them have feelings. So I don't know. Um, okay. Let's uh, let's move on to toasts and roasts. I have a toast that I'd like to offer up first. Um, Please I do. Want to to- I want to toast Sandra Lindsay, who is an ICU nurse at Long Island Jewish Medical Center. And she was one of the first Americans to receive the coronavirus vaccine outside of a clinical trial. The vaccination was uh, was broadcast in everywhere. I'm sure you saw it uh, on Monday everywhere. Um, she is a Jamaican-American woman, which felt very special. And the woman who administered the shot to her was also a black woman. And it just seemed really, you know, talk about special. It seemed really cool to see, um, two women of color in such a historic moment. It was, it was really neat. And, um, she is, uh, she said, I trust the science. My profession is deeply rooted in science. I trust science. What I don't trust is getting COVID-19 because I don't know how it will affect me and the people around me that I could potentially transfer the virus to. So Sandra Lindsay is setting a great example as a vaccine recipient and public health advocate. And her words, uh, mean a lot. And I hope people that are skeptical about the vaccine, um, hear her words and, 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 you know, feel a little bit better. I would like to toast Mackenzie Scott. Mackenzie Scott. Mackenzie Scott. Scott. What'd she do? Well, a while ago, she was married to Jeff Bezos. What does he do? We don't know. What is she doing? (laughs) Taking her massive wealth. She is the 18th richest person in the world, I think. And uh, her net worth went from like 20 billion to like 60 billion during COVID. And she is just giving the billions away. She can't give them away fast enough. She's given away $4.2 billion in the last two months. And she's literally trying to give all her money to help people who have been uh, impacted by COVID. And so I just fucking A. They say I read somewhere that she may be giving away the most money as an alive person. Whoa. (laughs) That like most people give away their money when they're dead. And she's just given it away while she's alive. She's not. Now, look, she's got a lot of billions left, but like fucking like I'm just I'm down. It's like, you know, Congress is dithering at fixing uh, fixing the situation. There are people who are in so much need. And at least there is one person, notably a woman who is trying to uh, make things a little bit better for people. Yeah. She's like a fiscal Batman. Like yeah, she's, she's totally billions of money, billions of dollars, doesn't need to do what she's doing and is choosing to do the right thing by giving it away because the system that creates billionaires is fucked Fuck. and it shouldn't, ex- and it shouldn't exist. But if we have to have a billionaire, I'm glad that we have Mackenzie Scott giving away her money as fast as she can. Um, but billionaires shouldn't exist. Let's, let's also stipulate Um, exactly. Okay. I would like to offer up a toast to Beth Moore, mm-hmm. who is a pastor, a Christian author. Um, and she's, she's essentially, I described her as like, Essentially, like she is to white Christian evangelical women, she is sort of like their like Beyonce. Like she is a huge like superstar in evangelical Christian circles. She's hugely trusted. And on Sunday, she tweeted uh, out against Trumpism, calling it astonishingly seductive and dangerous to the saints of God. She said, I do not believe these are days for mincing words. I'm 63 and a half years old, and I've never seen anything in these United States of America I found more astonishingly seductive and dangerous to the saints of God than Trumpism. This Christian nationalism is not of God. Move back from it. 
Fellow leaders, we, we will be held responsible for remaining passive in this day of seduction to save our own skin. While the saints we've been entrusted to serve are being seduced, manipulated, used, and stirred up into a lather of zeal devoid of the Holy Spirit for political gain. Like, look, that's, considering her audience, those are tough words. Mm-hmm. And it's really encouraging to see an evangelical leader of her stature taking that stand. Um, Because I think it seems obvious to anybody who has any passing familiarity with Christianity that what's going on with Donald Trump is very, very Mm anti-Christian. And it's just nice to see Beth Moore standing up. So I'm, I'm offering up a toast to Beth Moore for saying that. And I hope that it is the first in, you know, maybe some more statements to the people who listen to her. Um, encouraging them and normalizing backing off of Donald Trump and of Christian nationalism, which is, you know, kind of the disease that causes the 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 boil that is Donald Trump. Um, so I, I got to toast Beth Moore. I, I'm I'm not super familiar with her work and stuff, but I'm glad she did this. Yeah, I'm into it. Into it. Okay, we have one roast. Let's keep it toasts. Keep it toasts. We're yeah, not going to do the roast. Let's fuck keep the it roast. toasty. Keep it. Well, we're, I guess I guess personal political is all. Just a big roast. It's a big roast. I just feel like That's these big, ladies are so great. Just like, let's keep it. Let's keep it a spotlight. Keep it, keep it toasty. All keep right. Toasty. We'll keep it, keep it toasty. And we have to take a quick break. Um, but before we get roasty, we have an interview with one of one of our favorite senators, mm-hmm. I, I would say. one of I would say one of our top 100 favorite senators. No, she's in the top 10. She's, <laughs> she's in the top I feel like she's going to have a lot of good stuff to say today. Yes, I cannot wait. And what is it, the three-year anniversary of the first time we interviewed her? Uh, This is the three-year anniversary of you and I doing our first joint interview and our first interview ever, and it was with Kirsten Gillibrand. And so it's just like fucking some full circle shit right now. That's very exciting. Okay, stick around. We'll be right back. Okay, today we are so excited to welcome returning Hysteria champ, fierce advocate for women and children, and she's our favorite senator from New York, if we're being perfectly honest. It's Senator Kirsten Gillibrand. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Erin. Thank you, Alyssa. Uh, First of all, how are you doing today? I'm okay. Um, It is snowing. We are trying to negotiate a COVID package uh, that is not adequate, and it's frustrating because New York is struggling and we desperately need money for cities and states, and we need money for families that don't have income and don't have enough food for their tables. So we just, we're in a tough spot. So um, that's what we're in the middle of, and we're all hands on deck trying to get something done. Mm -hmm. Can you give us an overview of the Senate COVID relief bill and like kind of explain to our listeners like what's been the holdup, and if you want to be more specific, who has been the holdup, and what is each party fighting to include in the bill? So basically, uh, Mitch McConnell is the holdup. He has been unwilling to allow even debate from the first bill that Nancy Pelosi put out in May that would have been significant um, a number of resources into our states. Um, right now, um, Congress Uh, particularly Republicans, are so out of touch. They don't even want to send resources to individuals. We want to have a $1,200 emergency payment, and they're unwilling to do that. We want to have a national pay leave plan and a continuation of the small amounts of pay leave that was put forward in the first COVID package. They don't want to do that. 
Um, we're begging for money for food stamps, for homelessness, for domestic violence shelters, for unemployment insurance. And everything we ask for, they just give some, but not a lot. And so they're just being quite stingy. And this is a time of the year when people are just desperate for resources. And it's also a time of the year for giving and gratitude. So I just expect more from them. And it's very frustrating because what's what's being debated right now is less than a trillion dollars and it's not nearly enough. And there might be no money for cities and states. Kirsten, the entire nation is in crisis right now, even with the vaccine starting to be administered. Who are some of the most vulnerable people you are fighting for to help receive relief? So obviously there are many of our older Americans who are immunocompromised, who are advanced in age, who are most vulnerable and that if they do get COVID, it might kill them. So I'm most worried about our seniors, um, our older Americans, those who are living in assisted living facilities are most vulnerable because it can spread like wildfire through a facility. I'm worried about children, I'm worried about anyone who has has an immunocompromised disease or any type of condition. Um, And I'm really worried about my frontline workers, um, the nurses and the doctors and the EMTs and the police officers, the people who show up every day to protect our communities, they are being exposed daily. So we need to get them vaccinated first immediately and then help all those who are compromised. Um, Senator, cases are rising everywhere, but also in your state of New York. So how can the Senate meet the needs of New York state? And what are you hoping to see in the bill for New Yorkers? So we've asked for billions and billions of dollars of state and local aid, and I don't think they're going to give it to us, which is terrible. Because when your state doesn't have enough money, uh, it has to balance its budget. It means it has to cut frontline workers. So imagine thousands and thousands of people being laid off at the end of the year because there was no money for cities and states. So right at the holidays, losing their job. Um, I have a priority for uh, unemployment insurance, uh, for national paid leave, and we want the lump sum uh, $1,200 checks that makes a huge difference in families' pockets. And so those are the priorities that we are asking for, and I don't think we're going to get them, uh, which is frustrating. I think we might be able to get unemployment insurance continued, maybe up to $600 for adults, maybe $600 for each child. That could make a difference to have $2,400 into the hands of a family of four. Um, But that's what we're hoping for. Those are the things we are aggressively negotiating, and I don't know where Mitch will end up. Kirsten, are you feeling hopeful that something will be passed before you guys go home? And also, if it is passed, what's the lag time then between it being passed and it actually getting into people's bank accounts? So I'm hopeful that we will pass something um, because there's so much pressure on every senator right now from their governors, from their families, from their communities, that relief is needed now. So I'm hopeful something will pass. I don't know how generous it will be. Um, I will be disappointed if it is not generous enough, but I'm hopeful that something will get done. And then we will go straight to back to fighting uh, for a better package in the new year with our new president and maybe with the new U.S. Senate if we can win those two Georgia seats. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it would be exciting for you to have two new colleagues from Georgia it's more to- than exciting. It's literally life-changing. All the bills that I've worked on for, for eight years that I've never gotten a vote on because Mitch McConnell won't let me have a vote on it, even though it's widely bipartisan, 
it's frustrating because mm-hmm. these bills are ready to go and they have lots of Republican support, but he's not letting us get votes. So if Chuck Schumer is the majority leader. We then can pass a full COVID package, a $3 trillion package like the House passed in May and money for cities and states and money for businesses, money for restaurants, money for all the industries that have been left behind, the small businesses that still haven't gotten any money that would be taken care of. And so mm-hmm. those Georgia seats matter immensely. Mm-hmm. And speaking of your Senate colleagues, um, one of your colleagues is about to become the first female vice president of the United States. Have you talked so to Sen- exciting. Have you talked to Senator Harris since the election? Like, and like, have there been any like Democratic senator women like parties celebrating this achievement? There like, should you- be. There should be a lot of those. And no, but yes, I've talked to um, Vice President Elect. Kamala Harris several times. Um, Most recently, I talked to her on Thanksgiving and she is getting ready. She is doing all the work she needs to do to be able to be an effective vice president, uh, to be able to support and to help uh, Joe Biden govern this country and to bring this country back together again. Uh, She's spending hours upon hours doing the preparation work necessary to step into that role. And not only is it historic, but it's inspiring. And her vice presidency alone will change the trajectory of women and girls across the globe. It will allow for young girls of color to look up to her and say, that could be me. And that alone is transformational. Mm-hmm. Um, and can you oh, go ahead, go ahead, Alyssa. No, you can go. This is what happens on a, on a women's podcast. We are, we don't interrupt each other we tell each other that, that the other person should be talking. You go. You go. <laughs> I had a fun. It's it's almost the holidays. And, you know, we haven't had a ton to look forward to this year. So, Kirsten, what is your favorite holiday tradition? Is there something you guys always do? Is there something you always bake? I know you like to make your pies. What do you do? Raspberry. Yep. So I like making a raspberry pie or a raspberry crumble. But the raspberry is the key. Um, all the boys in my house, like, tart desserts. So that'll be really good. I'm going to make that. And I, I made, I perfected my recipe at Thanksgiving to make it low sugar, super low sugar. So in the whole pie, the whole pie, the pie and the cobbler crust, it had a total of a half a cup of sugar. So a quarter cup in the filling and a quarter cup on top. That's nothing. Well, nothing. And it tastes so good. I nearly eat all of it. (laughs) I'm coming for some raspberry pie. It's really good. So I'm going to work on that. I'm on the middle of decorating the tree. I've only put one ornament on it so far, which was a little, it's a, it it was a present from a girlfriend and it's a dog that looks like my dog, Maple. So the maple ornament is on the tree. I will hopefully finish decorating it with the boys tonight, but um, you know, they're still in school. So everyone's been so busy. <laughs> um, I'm thinking about your, like a lonely dog ornament on a Christmas tree. Just one so- little dog. He's really cute. <laughs> Maple's really cute. White lights or color lights? Um, this tree has white lights, but I love both. So I would like someday to have two trees, one for one room, one for another room, but I still have just one little tree. Um, but I, I like both. This tree is white lights. Because oh, it's gosh. small, very small. Oh, um, what kind of dog is your dog? She's a Labradoodle and she's maple, like maple syrup co- colored. So Aww. we call her Maple and she's very well behaved. She Aww. gets to go everywhere because she's a well-behaved dog. Oh, that's great. We have, we have a Swiss mountain dog and we take him everywhere except anywhere where there's flying tra- like trajectory stuff or like balls and stuff because he I freaks still- out. 
Yeah, he freaks he, out. Yeah, he freaks well, out. Well, Maple um, likes squirrels. So if you take her anywhere that has squirrels, she will pull your arm off to catch that squirrel. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Um, okay, so we would be in remiss if we didn't ask. Uh, during your presidential campaign, you promised that if elected, your first act would be to Clorox the Oval Office. Yeah. Um, that It's been reported that the Bidens actually have a team that's going to clean and disinfect every part of the White House. So should you know, the Biden administration be thanking you for the most pragmatic and sensible idea to come out of 2020. And if the Bidens gave you full PPE, would you help them do the honors? I would be delighted to help them. And yes, I should get full credit for the sanitation of the White House. It was my big idea delivered on a debate stage. And yes, I should receive some kind of acclamation. (laughs) Well, Senator Gillibrand, we're so glad that you could join us. It was so much fun. And then also, you know, Alyssa noticed this because Alyssa is the noticer of everything. Um, this is like the three year anniversary of the first time she and I interviewed you at that. We oh my like, goodness, time yeah, flies. I know. It was like two months ago. I know. I know. And that was actually our first joint interview that we conducted. You were our first and it's, it's cool to well, see that. You know, I'm available. You know, I, I do aspire to being on a show like the view someday So we could create our own show and I could be one of the people that is on the show and (laughs) could invite maybe one more, maybe two. Absolutely. And we could do it every week. We could have cocktails while we do it. And I think it could be a thing. Um, Just honestly, don't get me started. We have dreams do come true. You sound like me and Alyssa's text messages to each other. Um, Also, I'm available and um, I don't have an agent, so there'll be no fees involved. I'm ready (laughs) and I want to start immediately. (laughs) Our plan is to take Bill Maher's job. I don't know. Oh, yeah, that would be great. Yeah, take Bill Maher's job with like That's a That's in boot. California. And like this and I like upstate New York. So it has to be Zoom remote so we can be all places. That's that's totally fine. That's totally fine. We're just going to, we did it. We, we pitched a boozy late night version of The View involving us and a select group of friends. Boozy late night. Mm, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> my favorite would be the talent. So you need to stock up. <laughs> okay. Okay. No, I'm going to write this down. Um, Senator, thank you so much. This was, this was super fun and uh, we'll see you again soon. I'm sure that there'll be more. Happy holidays to all your listeners and all your fans. Um, I know it's a terrible time for everyone. There's been a lot of loss and a lot of fear, but there is hope and the hope is around the corner and we will heal and we will be stronger next year. 2021 is going to be a great year. That is such a good message to end on. Thank you so much. Hysteria is brought to you by Viore. Tired of boring workout gear? Check out Viore. Viore's versatile and comfy products are designed to look great in and outside the gym, whether you're running, training, or even just lying on your couch enjoying the fact that your two-year-old child is leaving you alone for five blessed minutes. I love that for Viore. You know what? That seems like a real perk of Viore. (laughs) It is. It's perfect. It's cut perfectly for lying down and just savoring a moment to be left alone. It's great. (laughs) 
<laughs> five the, stars. No five, comment. 100% great. That's the type that's my favorite sport. The new the women's performance jogger is the softest jogger you'll ever own. Grab one of these new colors before they sell out and check out the women's daily legging which features a high waist drawstring tie and upgraded no slip fit. All things that are absolutely essential in a legging. Essential. Uh, I love these leggings. They are cuz you know like not everybody's the same. You know, so mm-hmm. it's like I need a little bit more room around my booty. So I size up a little bit, but then it's usually too big in my waist. And so now I just just pull that drawstring. And exactly. I don't show I don't show any crack when I bend over. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. See, so you have your baby and I have my butt crack. <laughs> <laughs> For guys, there's the men's core short, the most comfy lined athletic short out there, and the men's Sunday performance jogger. Oh my gosh, Alyssa, my brother, who I have given Viore performance gear to. Yes won an ultra marathon over the holidays. I saw that. That is so incredible. He ran 80 miles in the freezing cold. I don't think he was wearing his Viore core shorts because that would be dangerous. Dangerous. But, but he he loves wearing them to train, and uh, I'm so proud of him. I'm so pr- Viore played a role in his ultra marathon win. <laughs> Uh, plus, Viore is 100% offsetting their carbon footprint and reducing and offsetting 100% of their plastic footprint from 2019 onwards. Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they're offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash hysteria. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash hysteria. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to fiori.com slash hysteria and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. Okay, we are back. This is the part of the show where Alyssa and I are joined by two more women, lovely panelists. We're going to bring them in because we've got a very busy day today scheduled. We um, we have to rip a man a new asshole, and all four of us are going to gang up and do it together. So I'm going to bring in the two women who are joining us first. She is a writer, actor, activist. She does it all. It's Grace Para. Your resident nervous, nervous little, pepper, little pepper reporting live. We had a, we, Hello, we had everybody. some Texas rep uh, representation last week. We had Judge Lena Hidalgo from Houston. Love Lena. Love Lena. I'm so, I, you know, I haven't listened to the episode yet. I'm so excited to, though. I'm thrilled that you guys had her on. She is the bright, shiny star of, uh, She's of the, Texas. The lone right now. star She's of the lone star state. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. There's several stars in Texas. There's several. I mean, Joe Rogan counts as negative 10, but no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> That's true. But be, but Beyonce counts for like plus Beyonce and Joe Rogan cancel each other out, I think. <laughs> I, think so. um, I think, you know, what's sad is that Joe Rogan is the Beyonce of cer- for certain types of people. Joe is Rogan is a straight Beyonce. men who don't have any female friends. Beyonce. I think correct, probably correct. Uh, he's, he's, he seems like a nice guy. Okay. Um, <laughs> Next, uh, she is an actor, writer, comedian, improviser, and just overall lovely woman. Michaela Watkins, welcome. Hi, Erin. Hi, everybody. Thank you for that nice intro. Let's let's get to uh, the topic of this week, because this is something that I think lit up every single woman's friend text chain. Every single, it, it lit up my friend text chain. I think my, my mom oh, yeah. wanted to talk about it. Every text chain lit up with this. 
Last week, the Wall Street Journal published an op-ed called, Is There a Doctor in the White House? Not if you need an MD. It was written by a man named Joseph Epstein, who doesn't have his uh, PhD. Uh, And it was basically a series of complaints about Jill Biden using the term doctor. Dr. Biden has a PhD in education, um, but this man had a problem with the fact that she uses a title that she's earned. I'm going to read a couple of excerpts from it in case uh, people listening haven't read it already. I would not recommend reading it unless you want to start, you know, give yourself a nosebleed. Um, A wise man once said that no one should call himself doctor unless he has delivered a child. Think about it, Dr. Jill, and forthwith drop the doc. Um, I do have an honorary honorary doctorate. I have to report that the president of the school that awarded it was fired the year after I received it. Not, I hope, for allowing my honorary doctorate. Uh, He... He basically called her, he called her kiddo. Um, and then he confused a, a regular doctorate degree that you earn with an honorary doctorate degree. Um, he said at Northwestern, recent honorary degree recipients and commencement speakers have included Stephen Colbert and Seth Myers. Originally, when he wrote that, he got Seth Myers' name wrong. He called him Seth Davis, which is a hilarious mistake. Uh, I sent a complaining email to the school's president about the low quality of such men as academic honorands with with the result that the following year, the commencement speaker and honorand was Billie Jean King, who, with the graduating members of the school's women's tennis team, hit tennis balls out to the audience of graduating students and the parents who had paid $70,000 a year for their university education, or perhaps I should say for their credential. Okay. As for your EDD, Madam First Lady, hard-earned though it may have been, please consider stowing it, at least in public, at least for now. Forget the small thrill of being Dr. Jill and settle for the larger thrill of living for the next four years in the best public housing in the world as First Lady Jill Biden. So, um, Alyssa, I'm going to start with you. Um, What did you... What did you what did you make of of this piece? And what would you if you could if Joseph Epstein were here right now, what would you want to say to him? A couple things. One, recall that just before this stupid fucking thought bubble came out, there was also an article where we where uh, I'm not I don't even remember who the fuck wrote it, but that said since Doug, since the first gentleman was now a gentleman who had a proper job that we should probably consider uh, to start paying these people, start paying the first gentleman and the first lady. Though first gentleman was the impetus for it because clearly someone with a real job is now giving nobly, giving up uh, their income to be able to do this. So this with the kicker, of Mr. Epstein's really just astoundingly stupid take. Um, look, fuck him. Fuck that guy. This should be just one extended fuck that guy segment because <laughs> I can't think of anything stupider to put on paper. Can you think of anything like, you know, when you wake up in the morning and you're like, what am I going to do today? What am I going to think about today? And there are like a million things you're like, I can't even say that out loud. He should have had that self-awareness. He shouldn't have said this out loud. It wasn't funny. It wasn't nuanced. It was just, it was just stupid and so fucking insulting. Like in the middle of everything that's going on, we have a first lady who can't fucking get out of bed to put Christmas, Christmas decorations up for the kids of Washington, D.C. And we're here to talk about whether Jill (laughs) Biden should just fucking get with what's happening and take the doctor down because she hasn't earned it. Fuck you. 
<laughs> That's how I feel. You know, if I if I may add if I may add to that, Alyssa, because I think that was be- beautiful. I couldn't agree more. Were there no editors along the way who Amen. said maybe we should, if we're at least going to get our facts right, if we're going to publish this thing, or maybe suggest that this shouldn't have been published at all? I'll be honest, Aaron. What you read this morning is the most that I had heard from the article, though that headline has been in my feed for days. I had not been able to bring myself to read it because it's such horseshit. It's such horseshit. And I'm, I'm thrilled that we're not sending people directly to the article because it needs to be banned from the internet forever. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. It's despicable. It's gro- It's a waste of time. There's too many fucking people on the planet. You know, there's just too many of us. It's too many of us. People have time to create this dribble. <laughs> I know. You know, I, I was going to actually subscribe to the Wall Street Journal just out of personal responsibility of I've been doing this thing where I've been getting hard copy papers like brick and mortar shop papers (laughs) um, so that I could take them to work and not be on my phone between scenes all day and like getting sucked into garbage. I wanted to just read articles, like read them top to bottom, not just scrolling headlines. I wanted to really like go deep in the news, but but do it in a way where I would digest it and then put it down and not all of a sudden be absorbing so much new, you know, noise from the internet. And so I've been getting the New York Times and I've been doing that. And I was like, you know, I really, I think out of resp- personal responsibility, I should not just get from one news source. Maybe I should get from the Wall Street Journal, you know? Um, I'm, not a, I'm not a money gal, uh, but maybe <laughs> I could learn to be if I start reading like conservative money news, financial times. And um, I have to say like that completely went out the window because any, any newspaper that would print this is just absolutely lost all credibility, all credibility. And all the work that all the journalists for Wall Street Journal have done in their lives has just been completely swept under the rug because now this paper is a trash paper. It's a trash paper. Uh, I mean, I think the only, if I were to give the newspaper any possible avenue of why they would print it is to maybe show people this is the stupidity that exists in the world. But that's why I got off the internet. That's why I'm getting off (laughs) Twitter for some degree, because I don't want to hear from the basis, dumbest grandpa troll sitting around, you know, who can, you know, thinks that the only way they can do some kind of trolling is to actually submit it to a newspaper. Why they printed it is unconscionable. Mm -hmm. I mean, especially like you said, with everything that's going on in the world, we've got a Katrina, a 9-11 or whatever you want to call it happening on the daily. We're going to lose maybe 450,000 people by winter. And this is what keeps this dude up at night (laughs) is a lady going by her title. And it's none of his fucking business. She could do what she wants. Stay in your lane, bro. Guess what? An honorary degree is not the same as earning a PhD. And she's still working. Mm -hmm. She's still fucking mm-hmm. working. She's, yeah, yeah. So if she wants to go buy it, that's her business. She did, she, you're not her cousin that she put on a Christmas card, like love pre- President-elect <laughs> Joe Biden and Dr. Joe Biden, you know? <laughs> you would write love, you know, love love the Bidens, right? But, but you know, this she could do what she wants. You're not buddies, you're not friends. You don't get to call her kiddo. Fuck off. Can I tell you, I, I think, first of all, love that also, Michaela. Brilliant, beautiful. I also believe that we should be using titles 
more frequently. <laughs> more people should be doctors. And I'll tell you that my my dad was an engineer in Mexico. He is given the, was given the title of ingeniero. So before his name, he wasn't just Mr. He was ing. Rafael Parra. And that is a, a, a symbol that was given to every engineer in Mexico. And I think that that's widespread through Latin America as well. You know, it, it's it comes with having earned a certain degree. It comes with being in a certain profession. I love the fact that that's widespread. I believe our engineers here in America should be given the same dignity and the same title. More people should get these titles, not fewer. Fuck off. In, I don't. He, just because you didn't deliver a kid doesn't mean that you can't pull a tooth. And I call my <laughs> dentist doctors too. So, yeah. And, you know, I talked to my dad this morning who's got a Ph.D. He's a doctorate of math- mathematics. And he told me he doesn't use his title when he gets on airplanes because, you know, if somebody says like, oh, I see there's a doctor on the plane, you know, he doesn't want somebody to de- describe, you know, plane theory to, to them <laughs> while they have a heart attack. So it's, <laughs> it's like something that he's just not going to do in certain situations, you know, but he's Dr. Mark Watkins. He he has a PhD. And of course, he was extremely proud of it. And he never said to people, please, please, don't call me doctor. I <laughs> promise you, I assure you. But he did say that now, you know, he's he's a professor emeritus or whatever, you know, like he no longer does it, but he still writes papers and still gives talks. And nobody, he said 20 years ago, if somebody came in and said, uh, Mark, I have a question, you know, that would have been so disrespectful. But now people just don't generally use any title. Like they don't call him Mr. Watkins or Professor Mark Watkins or Dr. Watkins. They don't do anything. They just say Mark, you know, and he personally prefers that. But I, I, he, but we did talk about this article a bit and he was like, it's absolutely the most sexist thing. And I said, don't you feel like women, you know, have to, especially in hetero relationships where they get mailings from things, it's always like Dr. and Mrs. Cohen, you know, it's like, it goes by, you know, it goes by the guy, the guy leads, you know, and so anyway, that I don't have anything interesting to say about that, except that titles do seem to be going by the wayside now in general. But that's a personal choice. Mm-hmm. Alyssa, you look like you had something to say. Yeah. <laughs> what I wanted to say <laughs> is that I think it's really funny because my dad went to school for math and engineering. <laughs> Wow. I know. It's like we're related and he's an engineer. So I think he would have liked the title, to be quite honest, especially when he's got. Yes. 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 And imagine if we could also call our female engineers, engineer, you know, Master Monaco, engineer Watkins. How dope would that be? I think I think it's I think it's I think it, it, it just it allows for a lot more dignity and a lot more respect given to those professions and for the studies that went into receiving those degrees. Um, I think it should be more widespread. Yeah, I mean, and my immigrant, my immigrant grandfather, by the way, was an engineer. So oh, really, guys. they really make some great X, X look at, chromosomes look at your, over here. Look at your brainiac <laughs> male ancestors over here. Um, my, my dad uh, used to have a sports column in the local newspaper called The Swami, where he posed in a fringed leather jacket 
and took a picture, pretended to be an anonymous man who lived in the woods and made predictions about high school sports. So pretty much like having a PhD in mathematics. Um, That's amazing. That is amazing. And he, he really like, and he referees basketball games, but it's not anyway. He's, he doesn't anyway. Um, one thing I wanted to get into real quick, because I mean, he's, this guy is like perpetually an idiot, but Ben Shapiro uh, did a, a Twitter thread where he said only people with PhDs and oh, I'm sorry, I can't only people with PhDs and hard sciences and, there you go. There and you medi- go. <laughs> medical doctor should be called doctor. I speak as a jurist doctor. No lawyer should be called a doctor. It's idiotic. In law school, one of the students had a doctor in liberal art. If you're a diner, if you're at dinner and somebody introduces themselves as Dr. Smith, you'd rather be upset to learn he had a doctorate in musicology if you were to suffer a stroke at the table. Furthermore, to compare a doctor, or to compare a doctorate in education or law for that matter to a medical degree is the height of absurdity. Having watched my wife do the latter, it simply isn't comparable. Okay. Just real quick, Ben Shapiro's wife is a medical doctor, but I also want to remind everybody that Ben Shapiro's wife uh, is recently known for tricking Ben Shapiro into thinking that a wet pussy is a sign of illness. (laughs) We know this because this summer, in response to the WAP video um, with Megan the Stallion and Cardi B, he uh, he <laughs> tweeted that his his wife has said that having a wet pussy is a sign of disease, which is one of the most hilarious and greatest cell phones in the history of the internet. And oh my god, that is a woman who has a perpetual. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, I bet he also thinks his wife is probably like, it's okay, Ben. The clitoris is a, it's a myth that feminists made up. <laughs> um, no, your wife is supposed to be super dry and very unturned on by you. That's yeah. normal. That's like healthy. That means that's, that's healthy. healthy. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think like one thing that's been pointed out by a lot of the response columns and um, in, you know, these various female friend text threads that lit up. Um, right now we're at a moment where women are pursuing higher education, like in larger numbers than men in the U S and, um, right now we're seeing a a big uptick, especially in women of color receiving, um, master's degrees and PhDs. And so, you know, this attitude that Epstein is expressing to Jill Biden, it seems like it's something that I'm that kind of goes along with an overall lack of respect for professions or for pursuits that are seen as like more feminine. Um, Have you guys noticed that like, have you guys encountered men in your lives who have been similarly like disrespectful or dismissive of, um, of women who pursue degrees in something that isn't like being a, a medical doctor? I mean, thankfully, I don't Mm -mm. personally know those men. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I guess like if I were to know any of those men, I would have to assume they were probably definitely over the age of 80. (laughs) Um, Yeah. You know, I think like the thing about here's what I find actually, Aaron, more bone chilling and scary than anything is this kind of generalized attack on education, on people who are educated and people who seek education you know, educational, uh, opportunity and ways to, uh, fulfill themselves in that way. It's that it's like looked upon by this, by fake populists, like, you know, um, I'm so glad I'm forgetting his horrible name, Tucker Carlson, Mm. you know, and people who really, if you just listen to their rants and their monologues, which I really try not to do, there's always this seething undercurrent of, 
animosity and aggression and resentment towards people who are educated. And what really scares the living shit out of me is that is when you look at dictatorships in places like Cambodia or, you know, um, countries where the first thing they do is go out and execute doctors and lawyers and professors and artists, you know, because if there's nobody holding the the um, line of what is fact and what is provable, then these idiots can pull anything over on, um, you know, masses and do whatever they want and create a mob mentality against educated people. And, you know, when Biden got into the White House, it was like this whole thing of like, oh, look at all these Ivy League degrees of people who are filling these positions. And it's like, that's that's really what scares me is because before that was the gold standard of education. That's what people wanted. And that was the pull yourself up by the bootstraps. He came from this and he did that and blah, blah, blah. But now that it's being infiltrated by women and people of color, all of a sudden it's not just such a sexy thing anymore. Now it feels like a threat. And that's what really genuinely, genuinely scares me. Yeah, I... I, I I think that nobody, no man has a problem calling a woman an Instagram influencer, but men have an issue calling women doctors. I think that there are some professions that have have been idolized over time, have been seen as, uh, you know, very dignified for a lot of reasons, and uh, a doctor being one of those things. And yet there's lots of sort of flighty, more pivy occupations that people have no problem, men have no problems um, calling women. Um, why that's the case, I, I, I think it's because it's not threatening or intimidating. But the second that there is a level of intimidation or threat, um, the second that you see women achieve things that men have not been able to do too, it becomes a lot scarier. Um, I'm proud to say to your earlier uh, question, um, Aaron, that I have uh, one of my best friends who is a, a female doctor. Um, we call them we doctresses. In- <laughs> doctresses, thank you. <laughs> How dare I forget I that? Call them, I call them <laughs> <laughs> My my kiddo friend uh, and I are on a text chain with two two uh, male friends. The four of us have been best friends since college. We've been calling her Dr. Aaron since she was pre-med. That's how excited we have been for her to get that <laughs> degree, how amazing she's been as a doctor since. And I, I hope that that kind of stuff is happening more frequently, that, you know, for those women who have the ambition to be doctors, and there are so many, that their friend groups start to, you know, respect them from an even earlier stage and, and build them up because it's not easy to achieve that degree. Let's let's help mm-hmm. them along the way. I mean, it seems like it's another one of those situations where it's like women can't win. Okay, so we're told, here's what you have to do to get ahead. You have to go to college. Then you have to like further your education to to give yourself qualifications to fill these jobs that you want to fill to or to make the difference you want to make in the world. And then when they go through all of it, then it's like, no, you're not re- you're not a real doctor. It's like, no, I I went through mm-hmm. all of these things that I was supposed to do and I'm still doing it wrong. And you know, when you were talking Michaela, I was just thinking about like the devaluing of education and I and you know, I wasn't really planning on going into this today, but it it brought to mind this very weird and almost creepy conservative backlash to the idea of student loan forgiveness, which um, it seems like something that given the fact that more women and more people of color are getting more education now, it seems like something that would disproportionately benefit women and people of color. And it, and, and like the angry, I paid off my loans. And so, you know, everybody else should have to go through it kind of weird thing on the right seems almost like it has a, a couple little teaspoons of sexism and racism 
in there. Especially when women are often doing it while raising a family. Mm-hmm. I mean, my mom went back at, at got her master's in her 40s with, as a single mom with three kids, working all day and going to school at night. That's awesome, by Jeez. the way. That's really cool. That's Yeah, she's a rock star. But, you know, that at the time was very uncommon because I don't think women were necessarily going for their masters. But now that is so common. And that is and and especially with COVID and women not being able to reenter the workforce in the same way. It's yes, totally smacks of of racism and sexism. Of racism and yeah, sexism, it's, yeah. It's like another thing that, that really stuck out in this article was the bit about like, unless you've delivered a child, you don't get to call yourself doctor. Like, you know who's always in the room <laughs> when a child is being delivered? A person with a uterus is in the room yep. expelling yep. the child from their body. Like, what the, <laughs> you think the doctor just like, like magics, the like makes the bait. Like the doctor is basically the doctor is essentially a catcher. He like catch mm-hmm. the woman does all, or the person who's giving birth does all the work. He's he stands there. It's like I'm sorry. Like if all it takes to call yourself a doctor, if delivering a baby or helping somebody deliver a baby is what it takes to call yourself a doctor, there are cab drivers that could be doctors. There are, you know. <laughs> I think that writer thinks that only the only kind of doctor a woman could be is one that helps another woman have a baby. Yeah. Like they couldn't be a thoracic surgeon. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, I like, I like Aaron's sports analogy, Ryan. That's one of my favorite Aaron's is when the sports analogy, it's just, it's perfect. Well, my, my dad kind of imbued me with like this deep sports thing that I can't get rid of. So Alyssa, have you found, you know, as somebody who, you know, you're, you have had several very important jobs. Um, have you found that men, when you were in your several important jobs, um, were maybe a little bit more likely to defer to like a male colleague and like, can you think of like examples of that? So, so couple couple things here, just to put a little fine point on things. When I was white house deputy chief of staff, uh, that comes with the rank of four-star general. <laughs> so just like think about that. That's okay, amazing about that. That's and amazing. General Master Monaco. How so, have I been missing? <laughs> you sound like a Latin American dictator. It, I could have. Yeah. I could have been if I had misused my power. But so <laughs> in the great hierarchy of the government, titles are actually very important. And so if you're looking at people who you see on television often. There are three commissioned officer levels, assistant to the president, which sounds the lowest, but is the highest deputy assistant and then special assistant. And so for my entire time in the um, Obama administration, I was an assistant to the president at the age of like 33 or something, which is when I, I got into office. And so when I became, here's the most interesting thing. When I became uh, deputy chief, I oversaw the White House military office, and that is where the rank of four-star general is uh, relevant. And I literally went into my first first meeting and was like, I'm in on the joke, okay? Like, I know I'm not a four-star general. Don't worry about it. And they were like, ma'am, don't say that. You are a leader. Like they were the military folks were so like, no, no, I'm sorry. That's what the job is. And that's what you are. And like act that way, kind of. And I was like, thank you. Now, 
Fast forward to some reporters who used to routinely, routinely write, that Barack Obama had a women problem. There was a women problem. He, they were like, he didn't have enough women in his administration. And so finally, <laughs> Nancy and DeParle, also assistant to the president and deputy White House chief of staff, she and I go out f- for dinner with some of these reporters. And they're like, what do you think? We're like, uh, we think he doesn't have the problem. He has given us the highest rank that you can have in the White House. You have the problem because he gave it to women. Somehow we don't count with the title. And I have to say, they were like, fuck, sorry. You're- that is such a goddamn let the river run. <laughs> that thing like, after you said you that. Have a, you have a you have a point, except he doesn't elevate you in the way he elevates the men. And so we'd see you differently. And we're like, no, different people have different <laughs> no. jobs. My job is to get shit done. Nancy Ann's job is to get shit done. She's a fucking Rhodes Scholar. She wrote the Affordable Care Act. If you don't see her the way he sees her, which is that he gave her the job of writing the Affordable Care Act, that's not on him. That's on you. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was just one of those things where... um. Yeah, though the only time, the only time my title, I don't even know if this is relevant, but it just sticks out in my mind. When we went to South Korea, there was a state dinner, and it was a very small state dinner. There were only about 30 people. And uh, you are matched with your counterpart, right? And so there were 30 men plus me at this dinner. And I've always been taught that, like, when you go, like, you I, I dressed festively. I had on this very pretty shirt and I sat down and Barack Obama, President Obama was like, you're going to be all right. I was like, it's going to be fine. And Dan Pfeiffer sat across the table from me. No one was drinking. I drank all my flight, my entire flight of wine, because I'm like, no one's talking to me. <laughs> and the guy next to me was the Commerce Secretary of Korea. And he basically was beating around to the like, how did you get here? And I was like, right, but I have like the same rank as everyone at this table. And he's like, no kidding. And he's like, let me tell you a story about my daughter who had moved to America. He's like, she's 32. And I don't know how you say it in America. I think you say she's old maid. She's not married. And I was not married as he was talking to me. And it became the thing I was most self-conscious about that he like viewed his (laughs) daughter as this old maid because she wasn't married by 32. And I was like here with sitting two chairs down from like anyone who matters in Asia. And I was like, oh my God, you guys, I don't matter. So anyway, that's like, I don't even know if that story makes sense, but it just, I hadn't thought about it in a long time. Not only does it make perfect sense, I need a The Crown, but about Alyssa's life. (laughs) You guys, I wish you... Pfeiffer just kept looking across the table going, are you okay, buddy? Are you okay, buddy? I'm like, it's fucking weird over here, man. It's fucking weird over here. It was, was, that was one of the more memorable, uh, that was one of the more memorable nights not in America. Oh my gosh. Dan Pfeiffer sounds like a literal, like an American prince. He is an American prince. Every time we went anywhere, you know, because I have a very unsettled stomach. And so sometimes I'd get anxious and he'd be like, buddy, you okay? I'd be like, yeah, I know. It's just like a super stressed. He's like, what do we do when we get stressed? And I would take out Angry Birds, which he taught me how to play. And like five minutes (laughs) in, I hope someday I can't wait to be with he, him when he teaches his daughter how to play Angry Birds, because I think that she will enjoy it with the zeal that I did when he taught me. (laughs) (laughs) You know, something that I've something that I've kind of um, noticed along with like the idea of like female power and rank and 
uh, men and some women having like a problem with it. I've noticed that, um, you know, Dr. Jill is like fun. She's beautiful. She's, uh, kind of glamorous in a, like an accessible way. Um, but she's also like fun. She's Jilly from Philly. She's, you know, I think that there was like footage of her wearing a, like an Eagles jersey at the, unfortunately, at the, uh, during the, that played during the Democratic convention, you know? And I think that sometimes, um, people have a hard time reconciling the idea of like power with anything feminine or anything fun. Or like, I've, I've noticed this kind of tendency to try to shame, women into like being more dour almost. So like here, here's an example. Um, I changed my profile picture on Twitter. And, uh, if you go to my Twitter page, the like banner behind my profile picture is still from a music video of a cheerleader puking glitter. I just think it's like a hilarious visual. And, uh, a guy, after I changed my profile picture, a man who I have never met, do not know, have nothing to do with commented, I saw you change your profile picture. It looks really professional. I thought maybe you were taking a, like, I thought you were maybe taking a turn to be a little bit more serious. And I clicked on your profile and still cheerleader puking glitter. And it was just like, yeah, bitch, this is how it's always going to be. Cheerleader puking glitter until I fucking die. I can own, a, me- I can, yeah. like, I can own a, a media company. If I, you know, a production company, it will be a cheerleader puking glitter, sir. Thank you. But like, you know, ahead, Grace. That, that oh, I was I was just thinking that I I was struck with a memory of do you remember that viral video of uh of AOC when she she yes. was dancing there's the video of her dancing on a rooftop and how it was so offensive to so many people mm-hmm. because it's like she's a congresswoman I think at that time she hadn't been elected yet Kamala Harris Kamala Harris dancing yes exactly why can't our female representatives also love to fucking dance and also have some fun videos of them by the way this is happening with um with uh Sasha Obama Ugh. right now too where there these viral videos of her TikTok, you know, dancing and she looks a- adorable and she looks like she's having fun and she's surrounded by friends, which is maybe a little suspect in COVID times. But apart from that, the, the spirit within her is so youthful and fun and delightful and something that I feel like we should cherish. And the fact that mm-hmm. she is the daughter of, of one of our presidents, one of our former presidents, uh, shouldn't shouldn't discourage her from being able to live with a bit of fancy, free flightiness, you yeah. know? Um, it's true. Anytime a woman is put in a spotlight or in a position of what we consider to be a, a dignified type of profession or title, it's like we hold her to certain standards that are very different from yeah. other women um and 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 yeah it's really frustrating i mean i think i've noticed that people get real uncomfortable when a woman is both brilliant and beautiful they just can't it's like head Mm -hmm. exploding for some people like um or like glamorous or wears cool clothes or like like people are very uncomfortable being turned on by someone who is like intellectually superior to them also (laughs) and like i Mm -hmm. i think you know i don't know i don't want to like armchair psychoanalyze this Joseph Epstein guy who I'm sure has not really had a a great week um, with with, uh, when it comes to like women in his life. No, he was dropped from the Northwestern. uh, They dropped him from their... What did they drop him from? Like they're no longer claiming. Oh right, him his anymore. the website like just said like we don't support. Yeah, is it the website? He was That's he was it? listed as an okay. emeritus lecturer of English, which it's. 
weird. I mean, it's like Joe Biden has what? anyway, whatever. He was an Ameri- he was listed on the website as an emeritus lecturer of English, but uh, Northwestern has scrubbed the website and in a statement the university said that it is quote firmly committed to equity, diversity and inclusion and strongly disagrees with Epstein's misogynistic views. So I can't wait for his next article where he says, why do we call cancer survivors brave? (laughs) (laughs) You know who's brave? People who fought in wars. Cancer is, oh, cool. So unless you detonated a bomb, I mean, unless you like took apart a bomb and, you know, and knew the red wire from the blue wire, why are we calling you brave? Oh, great. You have some cells that are growing out of control. Very cool. My dad was in World War II. Anyway. Um, yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a great thing. Um, we have to wrap up this part of the conversation. I'm sure there's going to be people disrespecting Dr. Jill Biden and, uh, women in general, uh, over the course of, of the next forever. So I'm sure that we'll be revisiting topics that we touched on today. Um, I want to close this conversation by, by springing a question on you guys. If you could have a title before your name, that you insisted on every that that you like got called. It's it's on all your mail. It's you know w- mm. what is the title that you get? Baroness. <laughs> you just had that. That's really right. good. Yeah, I've thought about it. I've thought about it. I want to be like that down to earth baroness. They're like, did you know she's a baroness? I'd be like, no fucking way. Alyssa's a baroness. I just that's it. I've <laughs> thought about it ever since I read about the barons at Runnymede in tenth grade. I want to be a baroness. Interesting, like Baroness That's Schrader so from Sound of Music, who watching it again was actually way chiller by half than she needed to be. Um, do you know I listened to the entire Sound of Music soundtrack yesterday? <laughs> You did? <laughs> I did. I you love guys. it. You guys, maybe that's why I want to be a baroness. I don't even know. It's so crazy. But yeah, I listened to the whole thing in the car. <laughs> it's so fucking upbeat. <laughs> I'll tell you guys once about how my Oma and Uncle Dieter had to live in the Swiss Alps when they fled Nazis. True fucking story. Another Whoa. time. What? Wait, See, wait a minute. Can we just have a hysteria dedicated to Elizabeth? Shut Austin up. Shut up. Yes. Like, your life. And then of the I'm crowd. I'm serious. I want to hear the story just right story now. story time with Alyssa. Just, we could just for do another it. time. It's for another this? time. Well, I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, I can't oh, wait. Baroness. I I can't wait. Option it's okay. Netflix. Baroness Master Monaco. Uh, uh, Grace, what's your what would your title be? Got to be professor. Professor Love Power, it. Danny. I like prof. it. Yeah, yeah. I just want to be prof. I just want to be professor. I just want to be prof. I just love it. It's profesh. It's cute. You know, profesh, professor Professor Par Para Janney too. There's a little bit of a mm-hmm. I love it. Stuff going on, yeah, mm-hmm. I like it Prof. too. Okay. I would be uh, Michaela Watkins Esquire the third. <laughs> you get two. Yes, yes, yeah. And there is no first or second, but I would be Esquire the third because Esquire could be very, you know, lawyerly, or I could be, you know, in like just a black suit with nothing underneath it and a lot of like bronzer cream. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, I like the title Justice. I think that like yes. there's nothing more badass. Oh yes, Justice. There's nothing more badass justice. than being called, you know, Justice Sonia Sotomayor. Which, by the way, has a school named after her that is like a five minute drive from my house. Hey, Sonia no Sotomayor, way. you know, oh, I yeah, love it's a really nice school. She, she, I'm just saying she might want to consider dropping it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Who does she think she is? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's I mean, true. Like you know. 
Now, Can judge she Judy, deliver a baby? A real judge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Judge Judy. Well, no, Judge Judy. She's just on TV, but she's a real judge. Yeah, ju- I think Justice is the good one. So, okay, well, Baroness, Professor, uh, Esquire the Third. This was a great conversation. Uh, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, let's get to I Feel Petty. It's 2024. We're facing another presidential election with huge stakes. You want to help. You don't know where your money will actually make a difference or how to figure that out. Ensure you love to take an edible and not think about it, but you can't because you do care. Let Vote Save America make it easy for you with their new anxiety relief program. Here's how it works. You set up a monthly recurring donation at the level that feels right for you, and Vote Save America will send 100% of it to the grassroots organizations and down-ballot races that need it most. Then, at the end of the month, they'll tell you where your dollars went. That's it. Set it and forget it. Vote Save America has already raised $52,000 in monthly recurring donations. Love it. That's great. From over 1,000 amazing, sustaining donors who've signed up and trusted Vote Save America to make their dollar go further. But we still have a long way to go, and Vote Save America needs your help to get there. Sign up at votesaveamerica.com enjoy your edible <laughs> legal disclaimer paid for by vote save america votesaveamerica.com not authorized by any candidate or candidates committee okay we're back we've reached the part of the show where we take very strong stances about things that really don't matter very much at all it's i feel petty But before we get to what's making us feel petty this week, a little bit of housekeeping. Alyssa, are you tracking a delivery right now? Like as I'm talking to you? Yes, I am. What what delivery are you tracking? I am waiting to see when my Midge and Eleanor mugs are arriving because they're a little slow. The USPS, not their fault. They have a lot to do, but I have been waiting for days. I ordered many. (laughs) (laughs) I, I also ordered Many. Um, We have Eleanor and Midge mugs in the Crooked Media merch shop. We also have a Hysteria desk calendar that's available that is really awesome. All of the illustrations in it are really incredible. Um, We also have a bunch. I'm wearing one of the shirts. Uh, I'm wearing a Revolution is Not Glam shirt. It's super soft and super comfortable. So cozy. Um, We also have some new Katie Porter Whiteboard Energy long sleeve sweatshirts that are really, really nice. Um, and there's like, yeah, there's a ton of stuff there. So if you're looking for a last minute, uh, time between Christmas and new year's present for yourself, or you want to kick off 2021 with some, uh, hysteria merch, you should check out crooked.com slash store. Announcement two, the January 5th runoff in Georgia that will determine control of the Senate is right around the corner. Early voting is taking place. Uh, Alyssa, did you see that they're like shattering records for early voting in Georgia? They are. And just like fingers crossed, register, you got to vote. It is like very tight. Some polling came out yesterday and both races are just tighter than the lid on a pickle jar. Um, and if you want to help, if you want to help, you should head over to votesaveamerica.com slash Georgia to find something you can do right now and sign up to Adopt Georgia, where they'll be sending new opportunities to donate and volunteer to support groups doing the work in Georgia between now and January. That is so important. Wouldn't it be nice to not see Mitch McConnell's dumb face uh, blocking everything? It would be the ultimate gift. It would It would be like 2021 saying, fuck you, 2020. Is it? Is that, is January 5th like epiphany? 
Isn't that a feast? Yeah, it's some sort of something. It's some sort of feast. Anyway, help us, baby Jesus. We need the Senate back. Um, and you can help by going to votesaveamerica.com slash Georgia. Okay, the House has been kept. Now let's get to what's making us feel petty. I have a really stupid one, so I'm going to start, okay? Um, this week, mm-hmm. I am feeling petty about uh, athletic clothes for women and the color palette that is used on them. So Ooh. as uh, many of you know, I, I try to stay active and uh, activity requires like fun, stretchy clothes to wear for the activities. Uh, I just want to know why I can't get like a workout outfit in primary colors. Like, why is it always jewel tones and pastels? You know, like why are, I just want like a, I want like a red and yellow, like I want to look like a ketchup and mustard when I work out. I want, I want regular pure blue. I don't want jewel tone blue. I don't want turquoise. I just want blue. I want red. Yeah. I want orange. I want like, and not like, you know, why, why can't they make those athletic clothes in women's in primary colors. That's, that's my question. And no, no patterns, Agreed. no patterns, just some solid, solid primary solid colors. Primary I'm colors. with you. I yes. completely agree. I want to look like a spaceman when I'm working out. I want to have blue <laughs> pants and a blue shirt and I want it all to be spandex and I want blue shoes and blue socks. Look like the, uh, the Buffalo Bills in their red uniforms. Anyway. I do agree with you. I don't want patterns because you know what? I have a little bit of a tuchus and you know what happens with a pattern? It like spreads funny over your tuchus when it's a little bit juicy. And so it's just funny. I agree with you. Give me some just fucking nice red leggings. That's all I want that are like a breathable fabric. Oh yeah. Red Mm -hmm. leggings would be great. Yes. I want like red. I don't want like dusty Heather red. No, because I I want red. I want red like my sweatpants. Yes. Like, <laughs> yes. I was yes. thinking about that because like, you know, we've, we've all agreed that we're reclaiming the American flag for the left and we're re we're repatriating patriotism. Like it's, we're wearing American mm-hmm. flag stuff again. And I was like, I think I'd like something that looks a little bit patriotic that I can wear when I work out maybe on like inauguration day or whatever. And I uh, can't find it. I want something in America red, America red, or China red, I guess. Anyway, primary colors. Um, Who wants to go next with uh, pettiness? Alyssa? Okay. Um, Let me just like stipulate up front that I love Joe Biden and I wish for his success. Um, Because his success is our success. However, I need there to stop being this idea. They keep intimating that somehow Joe Biden is going to, quote, the GOP fever is going to break. Okay. He said this in 2012 before our re-election that if Barack Obama was re-elected, the GOP fever was going to break. And now he's like, you know what? As president, I'm going to come and be the president of all Americans. I am for this. But guess what? Mitch McConnell's not a Republican. He's a fucking Trumper. And so I agree that there are Republicans with whom you can work. I do not think the leadership of the House and the Senate are Republicans, they're Trumpers and they're assholes. And we can't fixate on working with them at at like the cost of other things. And so I just wanted to say that because it's like, I, I totally agree that the country needs to heal and the soul is being reclaimed, but like, I don't think we need to do it with Mitch McConnell. Let's just keep working and get the majorities and then we don't need him. And then you will see which Republicans want to come along. But I don't think as long as they have the majority, they're going to find God on working together. And so, yeah, I just have 
That's it. Just look up Ron, look up Ron Johnson today and see what he's doing, and tell me that's somebody you want to work with. Yeah, yep, I don't yep. think he's running. For, I don't think After he's running the for re-election. Voted, the electoral college has voted. I don't think he's What's running that? for re-election. Really? No. I, I I heard from a person in Wisconsin who talked to him, and I don't know if he's going to run for re-election. Really? Yeah, he's up for re-election. Okay. First of all, Ron Johnson is a real pimple on my ass because. <laughs> Wisconsin, my, you know, everybody knows my home state has a lot of good to offer. The Republicans in Wisconsin are among the worst in the country. Michigan Republicans are giving them a run for their money. Um, but Wisconsin Republicans are fucking yahoos. They're terrible people. And Ron Johnson is the, the dumbest bitch out of all those dumb bitches. And I can't fucking stand him. And we have Tammy Baldwin as our other senator. And Tammy Baldwin is super progressive and mega popular in a state that is hyper divided. And Ron, and then we have fucking Ron Johnson, just a turd, just a turd in the middle of the bedspread of America. And I just, (laughs) I hate him so much. I hate him so much. And he's, he sucks. And Alyssa, I, Coming back to your point, I totally agree. I think that um, Kevin McCarthy, uh, who wants thinks he's going to be Speaker of the House in 2020, garbage. Oh my God, dude! I yeah. was in D.C. for um, for Trump's inauguration, just you know, to celebrate. Uh, no, I was there like covering it. I was there covering <laughs> it, and I went out to eat. I at the time I was basically a vegetarian. I didn't eat red meat at all, and I mostly avoid. I only ate like fish. I was pescatarian. And I went, I was so depressed that I went to a steakhouse alone and I ate a steak for the first time in like a year. And Kevin McCarthy was like two tables over with his wife and he had done the sort of like exactly what you would predict, like in the most visible table there, trying to act like a big shot. He was like eating a huge steak, well done. And he was, <laughs> oh. and he was drinking a, uh, Miller Lite. Come on. Stop. You're, you're eating a... That's it's so, so gross. You might as well just like dump toilet water on top of the steak and then eat it. Like, you rube. Get out of get out of my country. Anyway. Um, uh, <laughs> um, Michaela, do you want to go next with I Feel Petty? Sure, I'll go next because this um, had just happened. It's real fresh in my mind. Um, I just had a birthday. Happy Yay. birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you. And as a Sagittarius, as a, as a December baby, it's a shitty time to have a birthday. When you're younger, everybody's in exams and really overwhelmed. It's like the sun doesn't come out anymore. I, you know, I grew up in Syracuse. It's like dark all the time. Everybody's miserable. Everybody's depressed. There's holiday shit to deal with. When you're an adult, like everybody's trying to organize their lives and their kids and their everybody for the holidays. It's a really bad time to have a birthday. So I've become very accustomed and very used to just being like, hey, if anybody, you know, knows about it, great. But I'm not, I don't just make a big deal about it because it just feels like, I just don't care that much about it. I'm not like, I don't need, I don't need it. I do go to bed at 11 o'clock every night and I'm like, nobody threw me a parade. But, um, but that <laughs> like passes, you know what I mean? But all day I'm like, ah, don't worry about it. And then I'm sad right before I go to bed. But the point is, is that this year I was working, which I always think it's a wonderful omen to be working on your birthday. And for me, that's, that's a great gift. And I was working and because I didn't mention it to anybody, because I'm not, you know, 12, but I'm like, it's my birthday. Um, people assume that when you are a woman, and I say this as the hysteria elder representative, um, 
that people assume that you don't celebrate your birthday because you don't want anybody to know you're getting older, (laughs) which is deeply insulting Mm -hmm. to me. And so people would just walk around being like, I heard it's your birthday. I just, and they would mouth to me, happy birthday. And I'm like, you can say it full voice. Like it's, who do I think I'm kidding that everybody, you know, rotates around the sun every 365 days, but I don't because I'm 49. Like what? Like, what do you do? And everybody was like, you know, like craft services was like, I, I'm not getting you a cake out of respect. And I'm like, you're not getting me a cake out of respect? Like, because Give me the fucking cake. Like, like, you know, I said, do you have any donuts? Like, I love donuts. I'll take some donuts. I don't usually eat donuts or give myself permission to like go crazy on the donuts. I uh, got a jelly donut, you know? And I was just so funny to me that everybody just assumed that the reason I wasn't announcing my birthday is because I'm deeply ashamed of aging. And I thought that was just cruddy. And I've never experienced that before. Um, I, I've hit, I've hit an age where that is now. Okay, next year. So that means next year we have to make a big fucking deal out of your birthday. Yes, we do. Yes. But the thing is, I don't like to make a big deal either. It's just, I don't, but it's not like a, because I just, you know, that, that kind of attention is not the attention that I I will bring you a respectful uh, cake next year and I won't make, I will give it to you and be like, happy birthday, full voice. Here's a respectful cake in commemoration. My friend, Natalie Morales sent me the most beautiful cake ever unasked for anything. A cake just arrived at my house that night. What a blessing. That's like a friend. (laughs) But it was just so strange that people are whispering and mouthing happy birthday to me because I'm a woman of a certain age. Do I think that I think that they... Do I actually believe that they think it takes me 790 days to have a birthday? Do you think... It was so strange. Do you think that maybe we should start offering congratulations instead of just a happy birthday because it's a big fucking deal. It's yeah, exciting. You didn't die. There's exactly. So many ways to do it this year and you didn't. Yeah. So yeah. Congratulations. congratulations. It's your birthday. Fuck um, yeah. 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 I think, you know, speaking of birthdays, I think that this birthday though, doesn't, this year doesn't count. Whatever you, whatever age no. you turned this year, you're also yeah. turning it next year just because we, yeah. we just not, we're pretending 2020 didn't happen. We're just going to, it doesn't yeah. count. So next year you'll be you'll be forty nine again. If we're, we're all, all doing, doing it, it, if we're all doing that, we're I'm all on doing board. It. But don't whisper happy birthday to me because you think I, for some reason, am ashamed of how old I am. Okay, fuck off. Okay, all right, all right. Lots <laughs> of people it. on Michaela's fuck off list this week. <laughs> Grace, do you want to want to bring us home? My, my, mine is extremely inconsequential, but it affects me on a daily basis. And a new development in the last couple of days has caused me to realize something new about myself. So I have a thick ass, curly, dark, very textured Mexican hair and I love it and I'm proud of it, whatever. But over the last few years, I have tried every product under under the sun, every product, every product that's marketed to me, every product that professional hair and makeup artists have suggested to me, that friends have suggested to me, that family have suggested to me. Every month I spend more and more and more trying to get these curls to like look good and look fresh and be tight, whatever. And I got really frustrated about a week ago because nothing it was working. Everything just made my hair look frizzy and shitty and dry and I hated it. And I was like, what if I just went on Amazon.com and I ordered a $3.40 bottle of Garnier Fructis pharmacy brand curl gel. And let me just see what happens. So I did it. 
and I put it on my hair and my hair looks <laughs> fucking great. And now the and now I'm just a pharmacy brand girl living in a fancy brand world and I feel like it's ev- everything is a lie and all the products that have been marketed to me are not right. And it's you know what it's the same with with moisturizer. I've tried the like fancy $50, $60 body moisturizers. Just give me a Vino. Just I give just me a went Vino. a Vino. I need a Vino. Did you really? Uh, a Vino and Garnier Fructis. And I'm like, hey, what's my body telling me? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they're, look, I'd love to support small, you know, farm to table <laughs> curl gels, but they don't work. They don't work for me. I wish they did. Let me know if you guys know something it does, but I, right now it's just, you know, the oil made from small children. I don't know how it's harvested. I don't think it's good. It's definitely going to give me some sort of illness, some sort of itis, but the curls feel way better. So anyway, I guess it's CVS for me and I feel bad about it, but not that bad because whatever it takes to get the curls curly. Look, there you know? are hidden gems in pharmacy brands for sure. Like makeup artists use I've never seen a makeup artist not use uh Maybelline the like pink Mas- yeah mascara <laughs> that's the one they all use because it's just the it's yeah. just the best one and it's like also way cheaper than anything you can buy at a department store so congratulations yeah. on this new step in your journey grace we're all very happy for you <laughs> um and so uh much. and that's the show thanks to my ride or die Alyssa Mastermonico thanks to Grace and Michaela for stopping by and thanks to Senator Kirsten Gillibrand for joining us to talk a little bit of sense about COVID relief. And thanks to you, the listeners. There will be more hysteria for you next week. Planet, this nation, Hysteria is a Crooked Media production. Caroline Rustin is our producer. Our executive producer is me, Aaron Ryan. Alyssa Mastermonico is our co-producer, and Brian Semmel is our associate producer. Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer, and our editor is Sarah Gibalaska and the folks at Chapter 4. Our digital team is Narmel Konian and Matt DeGroote. Thank you to Juliet Beckstrand for production support every week.